Let's take our Bibles, Exodus chapter number 20. And do we want to start? Let's, let's do this. I had all the adults last time go down through and give the Ten Commandments. And so why don't we start, I'll say this, from 30 years of age and down. I just heard a whole bunch of groans. Alyssa, you still got an extra year. Okay. All right. From 30 years of age and down. And when you say one, you can't say another one. So you might want to pick which one you're going to say. Let's start number one, Titus. What's the first commandment? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. All right, who's got the second one? Mason. No graven images. Okay, number three. Got it, Samuel? There you go. That's number three. Okay, number four. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. But that's what God said, too. That's what he said. All right, number four, which one? Still one dealing with the Lord. Yes, sir. No, not yet. We'll get to that one, though. Number four. Go ahead, Ellie. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, okay? All right, number five. Go ahead. Yes, Isaac. Honor thy father and thy mother. Yes, all right. Number six. Garrett, are you 30? Go ahead. Thou shalt not kill. There we go. We're back to it. All right, number seven. Who am I looking at? Oh, go ahead. We're almost there. <laughs> almost there. Number seven. Who's got it? There you go. Wait, he's already said one. Savannah. We're almost there. <laughs> almost there. Ruthie, what is it? Thou shalt not commit adultery. There you go. See, that's not, thou shalt not commit adultery. All right. Which one? Go ahead. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not steal. All right. I knew we'd get there. All right. Number nine. Who's got number nine for the commandments? You've already said one. Go ahead. Thou shalt not bear false witness, okay? And so that's where we're going to be for today. Exodus chapter 20, look at verse number 16. This is commandment number nine. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. You say, well, that just means my neighbor. Okay, I'm not going to spend the message going over to the New Testament with the parable of the Good Samaritan to be able to prove who our neighbor is, okay? Your neighbor is someone you come in contact with. So thou shalt not bear false witness. Now, here's how this has been described. The intentional speaking or spreading of falsehoods lying or in any way looking to deceive our neighbor. I speak the truth. How many remember the day that your word was your bond? That it was just, if you had their word, that was as good as anything they could ever sign. My dad said this years ago when he walked into a bank up in Maine, and I think he was buying his first car, and uh, he walked in there. They would not allow him to 
be able to get the loan on his own um, because of his income and his age. And they said, well, you're going to need a, a co-signer on that. And he said, well, I can talk to my dad. And they said, well, who's your dad? He said, Bob Chamberlain. He said, your dad, he said, if he'll come in and put his name down here, you can have whatever you need inside this bank. You know what that was? There was something that he was truthful. He was honest. How many have ever gotten to the point now in this subject matter of bearing false witness that uh, you just don't know what to believe out of some people? How many believe that this would be a great one for our current modern day news media <laughs> to be able to get settled? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mike's even putting both his hands up there. He's, he's like, yes, news media, thou shalt not bear false witness. Now, can I remind us, this is not being said and given to the lost world. This is being given to God's people because we approach this subject matter. Well, I just didn't give them all the details. So there's an intentional misleading of some facts we got to be careful about. And so I want to look at a few things. Now, in Jewish law, let's set this back into the context of Scripture. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, as this is being given specifically to the nation of Israel in this context, understanding in Jewish law that things had to be verified and established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Do you know that it, it was not a matter of just two or three witnesses, but they actually had to agree completely in that entire testimony for that person to be proven or found guilty of something. Now, here's one of the examples of this. When you get over into the New Testament, how many remember that account where that woman, they were trying to trick the Lord Jesus, and they brought that woman that was taken in adultery? And they brought her before the Lord, and then the Lord said, let him that is without sin cast the first stone. He knelt down, and he wrote something in the ground. When he got back up, he looked at the woman, he asked this question, where are thine accusers? Do you know it wasn't just that the Lord was going overboard to be able to show grace? That's not the point of all of this. He was showing that religious crowd, listen, you need to be following the same law that you're trying to follow right now, and no one's accusing. And so the Lord said, where are thine accusers? And she said, there are none. They've all left. And he said, neither do I condemn thee. Do you understand it would have been against the Old Testament law that was put in place by God for actually the Lord Jesus to condemn her because there was no witnesses against her that day? Now, the overall point of all that, yes, is showing them that you're not even abiding by the law that you have, but then also to be able to show us, thou shalt not bear false witness, but also that, yes, he could show there was grace, there was mercy. You know, I just read something this past week, totally off the subject of bearing false witness, but it came back to my mind when I was about Jesus with the, the woman taking adultery, that uh, there were only a, a few times three times, I think it is, it's recorded in the Bible, that, uh, that God got into the dirt. Now, think about this. The first time is when he came down and formed man. Okay? Got his hands dirty. Second time it's mentioned is it says that God buried Moses. And then the third time is when he's writing something in the dirt. 
And all of those times, listen, some of the darkest times, here's a woman accused of adultery, here's the death of one of his saints, here's the creation of man, and the, the love and the care and the compassion that God has towards mankind. Isn't that interesting? It has nothing to do with bearing false witness, but that's a separate message that you might hear at some point. But this understanding of bearing false witness, now, when it goes further than this, understanding the intent of the heart, it, because the very definition says, for the purpose of deceiving and lying to our neighbor. Now, I, I do not believe bearing false witness carries an accidental meaning to it that, hey, I didn't have all the facts and I made mention of this. I believe it's an intentional deceiving and portraying false information as we look at it. Some have said it's broken down this way. One, you have slander, which all of these come under it. Slander, the tearing down of someone else, a lie invented to hurt someone else. How many have ever heard things like that? Don't put your hand up. Don't say you've been a recipient of it. Okay, we know this. Listen, what comes out of the mouth hurts. How many ever heard the statement? I heard it the whole time growing up. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie, isn't it? That's a lie. Now, listen, if I write something down, if I'm, if I'm upset at Brendan, okay, and I take a piece of paper and I write down everything bad that I think about Brendan and everything I want to say to him. I wouldn't slap him with it. But you know something? I could write all of that down, but then God speak to my heart about that and say, you know, that, that shouldn't be. I can tear that up. I can burn it. I can get rid of it. I can flush it down the toilet. I can do all kinds of things that he would never see it. But you know, as soon as I walk up to him, and I say all those things, I can never take them back, can I? So the words bearing false witness, listen, I believe there's a whole lot that, that's there for the intent, the slander of tearing down someone else. But then I believe this, the tail bearing, which is just the telling and the repeating of false stories and false accounts of just making things up. You ever come in contact with someone who's just a habitual liar? Sometimes they just get to the point they can't tell if they're telling the truth or a lie. It's just their life. And then you get to the point and they get frustrated because nobody believes them. It's like when I was a kid, it was always said, the man who cried wolf. Okay, we've, we've heard that over and over. But then when, when there's actually a problem, no one believes them because they've been tail bearing. But then, and I thought this was interesting, as one writer included this um, underneath bearing false witness and the words that come out of our mouth, the inappropriate silence. It's not saying something when you know what's being said is, the, is false. That I'm allowing false witness to take place, but I know the truth. If it's being said about Joshua and, and something's being said, now, boy, Joshua, he's in complete rebellion against his parents. He, he doesn't even come to church anymore. Now, if I know that to be false, guess what? We ought to step up and say something and not just keep silence and allow that to be able to continue on. Now, we could look at this throughout the scriptures, and we're going to look at, at a few more passages, but understanding this, this bearing false witness, when you get over to the New Testament, and it specifically said, thou shalt not lie, 
comes under this whole umbrella of what is coming out of our mouths or what we allow to be said or what we condone being said. I don't believe we ought to condone it. I don't believe we ought to say, yeah, you know, that may not be completely true, but at least half of every lie has an element of truth to it. And understand and bear in false witness. Here's what one writer said. He, he described it this way about our speech and bearing false witness, neither bear it nor hear it, nor receive wrong reports of another. Do not make a lie nor love it when it is made. I thought, what a statement in relation to bearing false witness. Well, I didn't tell the lie. I'm just repeating it. No, thou shalt not bear false witness. Now, many times we may not tell the lie, we may not repeat the lie, but we don't correct it either. Do you know what ought to be done? Let's just put it right down, rubber meets the road. Kevin Cresco comes to me and starts talking about David Chamberlain and telling me something's wrong, what's going on. Do you know what ought to be done? And I'm not talking about in a, in a pastoral relationship that something needs to be worked through. He's just gossiping about David Chamberlain, okay? This is an example, by the way. He's just gossiping about David. I ought to take Kevin right there and say, why don't we go talk to David Chamberlain and get this thing taken care of? Because if you care about him that much, listen, he needs to know about this. And you know something? I believe he's going to be encouraged that you care enough about him and stop it right there. What do you think that would do to gossip in the Christian realms? You think they wouldn't come to you anymore, right? What if everybody did that and just took care of things? I've had people stop in and uh, they've asked about people. Listen, some of you sitting here right now, I've had people stop in and say, hey, can you tell me about so-and-so? Yeah, I I don't believe I'm going to. Well, I want to know this. And I'm like, so I think what you ought to be doing is, is uh, you ought to call them. And why don't you go talk to them? And why don't you get the story, not calling your horse, from the horse's mouth? Okay? Why don't you talk to them? Because listen, when I start saying something, how many found out you're not going to repeat it the same way as what you heard it? There's going to be something different. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Now, I believe this. I believe bearing false witness is not just in the words that we're saying, but I believe it identifies the purity of our heart towards the Lord and towards others. Why would someone, and put some thought in this, why would someone intentionally bear false witness against someone else? What's that? To hurt them? There you go. Yeah, to make themselves look better. There's only two purposes. You're just trying to hurt someone else or you're trying to make yourself look better. Either one is selfish and ungodly. So bearing false witness, you say, well, I don't bear false witness. I bear true witness. (laughs) I mean, I I don't say it unless it's true. Hey, listen, if it's going to be hurtful and tear down someone else, why should it even come out of my mouth? Why should I even worry about that? Especially if it's not my business, not bearing false witness. Now, listen, this is, this commandment is actually repeated four times throughout the New Testament. I'll just give them to you. Jesus did three times, Matthew 19, 18, 
Mark 10, 19. Luke chapter 18, verse number 20. Thou shalt not lie. And I believe it goes back to intent. And then also in Romans chapter 13 and verse number 9. Repeated four times over in the New Testament for us not to do that. You say, well, that's just Old Testament law. Jesus repeated it three times. Then he takes it a step further, and we could spend the time. Ephesians chapter number four says that we're not supposed to let any corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. You say, well, it's actually true, but let me ask you something. Is it ministering grace and is it edifying? Or is it just we're saying something because we have an axe to grind? Okay? And so understand in the speech that comes out of our mouths. But then also I do want you to turn to this verse over in Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians chapter number 3. This is also one of those, and I'll get you the page number here in just a second. Colossians chapter 3. I'm on page 1672. You say, why do you give the page number? We do it for singing, don't we? Colossians chapter 3, I'm on page 1672, this is in the Rock of Ages Bible. But look what he says down here in verse number 7. He says, "...in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them, but now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth." Look at this. "...lie not one to another." Now, here's the reason behind that. Do you understand who Colossians is written to? The saints at Colossae. It's written to save people, and he's telling save people, don't be lying to each other. How many believe that that probably ought not even be said, in, in, have to be said in the Christian realm? Shouldn't have to be said. Should it be that me and James Drury, we question each other every time we get done talking to each other? I wonder, I wonder if he just lied to me. I just, I just wonder if. What, what he just said. I don't know if that's true. I don't know. Should that be the relationship between brothers and sisters in Christ? Absolutely not. I ought to be able to take what you say and what you take what I say as gospel truth, and I'm not lying to you. Now, I may be misinformed, and at that point when I'm misinformed and I give wrong details and facts, you know what I ought to do? Come back and say, I'm sorry, I got that one wrong. Okay, I wasn't intentionally trying to deceive. It actually happened one time. Jordan was so gracious and helped me out one day. And uh, it was afterward after we started the church and I, I was preaching one afternoon. I was getting in a big way and talking about your sin affecting someone else's life and everything. And I said, that happened right after the city of Jericho. Do you remember that? And I said, Achan went in there. I said, and he sinned against God and disobeyed. And I said, it cost thousands of people their lives. And as graciously as he could, he came up to me afterwards and he said, I'm just wondering because the Bible says it was 36 people. <laughs> I looked in the scripture, I said, you're right. <laughs> you know what I did? I got up the next Sunday and I said, I, I misspoke. I said, I was wrong. I wasn't intentionally trying to deceive. But listen, in our conversation, we ought not to be doubting, are they telling me the truth or not? In fact, in the Christian realm, it ought to be the benefit of the doubt the other way because he says, lie not one to another. Look at this, verse number nine. 
seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. In other words, because you're saved, you ought not to be lying one to another. Do you understand that for the Christian, when, when you get over into the New Testament and start talking about the Lord Jesus, he actually makes mention of the devil being the father of lies. And he comes to Colossians 3 and says, you're saved. You ought not to be lying to each other. I believe when we do that, we're actually acting more like the devil because he's the father of lies. He's the deceiver of the brethren. He's the accuser of the brethren. You want to act like the devil? Be prideful and lie. Now, from the other side of things, can I encourage you on this? You know as well as I do, as soon as you tell one lie, what do you have to do again? Have to lie to cover it up. I also heard a statement that if you always tell the truth, you don't have to have a good memory. Because you're not worried about, okay, did I t- what, what story did I tell Bruce? But then what story did I tell Phil? And what story did I tell Dan? And make sure to be able to get them all right. If you just tell the truth, you don't have to worry about it. Thou shalt not bear false witness. It ought not to be said amongst the Christians. You know, they just lie. Boy, that's a sad testimony when the Bible says, lie not one to another, seeing you've put off the old man, that's, that's, the, that's the lost world. That's the, the flesh. Don't do that. Seeing, seeing you've gotten saved and you've put on the new man, don't be lying one to another. Can I remind us of this? It's not Christ-like to be lying. In fact, if we're like Christ, who did he say he was in John 14, verse number 6? I am the way, the truth. It even says that it's impossible for him to lie. But then you get towards the end of Revelation, we won't get over there, but it says all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. It ought not to be said. Listen, perpetual lying is not Christ-like. I'm not talking about misspeaking or having the facts wrong, but when that happens, come back and get it right. Make sure to be able to correct it. It's okay to say, you know something? I was wrong. Those are three words we just don't hear enough of today. I was wrong. Get it right. Please forgive me. We don't have that nowadays. We'd rather lie and cover it up and do something else, okay? Thou shalt not bear false witness. I believe it's intentionally misleading. Now, when you go back to the court of law, Listen, it was bearing false witness. You were getting up and you were actually telling a lie to get that person in trouble. Bearing false witness. I believe that the New Testament takes it a whole lot further about our intent and understanding that we're a child of God. That ought not to be taken place. And I'll close with this statement. Wouldn't it actually be funny, and you've seen this statement, wouldn't it actually be funny if liar, liar, pants on fire... If someone who's lying, their pants actually caught on fire at some point. And we'd know. That's not going to happen. Now I got to bring it back and get ready for communion. Bearing false witness. And here's the thing. Eventually, it is going to catch up. And if you have a life, if you have a marriage, if you have a relationship, 
and it's all based on a stack of lies, it will catch up and it'll come crashing down. And you know as well as I do, when those lies come to the forefront and you got to face them, boy, it's humbling, isn't it? I was just wrong through the whole thing. I've just, I've just lied all the way along. It's just better to tell the truth at the beginning. How many ever told their children that? You lie, it's going to be worse. Just come and tell the truth. Not saying there's not going to be consequences, but there are a whole lot less consequences if you just come clean and not lie about it and then have to tell another lie on top of that. You say, Pastor, how do you know so much about that? Because I did. Believe it or not, and I know you're going to find this hard to believe, Believe it or not, when I was younger, I could be a pretty good liar. I know, that's hard to believe. See, there's another one. It's not that hard to believe, is it? You know why? Because you've got the same sin nature that I have. Amen? Don't bear false witness. You say, I don't understand what that means. Jesus said, thou shalt not lie. So tell the truth. Speak the truth in love. Can I take it a step further? I believe churches all around us are lying to people. They lie about salvation. They lie about holiness. They lie about living right. How many just are thankful for a straight shooter, someone just to tell you the truth? It hurts sometimes. I don't, I don't like the truth being told to me all the time because it goes against my ego, goes against my flesh, and, uh, but we need the truth. Speak the truth in love. Amen?